We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. There are two ways that we can enter into this learning this morning. Two ways to enter the learning this morning. One is to speak very broadly about the entirety of what we're about to read. Not the specific aliyah, because the first aliyah won't be very long at all. The first calling out will be only a number of verses that cover only a very short portion, a small portion, of the total narrative of Jacob's life this morning. And so there's one way to speak about this in a much broader way. Speaking about the general theme this morning, the general theme of the of the parsha of Jacob's denouement with his brother Esau, Esav, to speak about in a very broad stroke the lesson of the story and what it holds for us each and every year. And so um, that's one way. Second way is actually just to go into the very few verses that we're going to be calling out and try to extract meaning from those verses themselves. So I want to begin by saying that as we were as we were opening the ark to read Torah this morning, and and as I said out loud that you know we're looking to the Torah to give us wisdom, it became very clear to me that um, that. In this week's portion, where Jacob will tell the angel, or whomever is wrestling with them, whether it's an angel, it's an ish, it's a man, a mysterious being, whatever it is, he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. That's essentially what we say in the Torah every single week. It's like we wrestle with Torah, we get Torah really close, and we struggle with Torah, and we say, we're not leaving here today until you give me a blessing. Right? Torah, that's your responsibility. We open you up every week, we take you out, we, you know, hopefully the Yizim of Elijah we learn it night and day uh, as much as we can. And we say, okay, don't go. to give me a blessing. So I want to read both the general story. I want to use both modes this morning. I want to learn the story, the Gadol, written large. And then I want to go very narrowly into the Sukkim that we have. So what's the story of Jacob? I'm getting hot here, by the way. Just like it's getting hot here, and we're getting the party started. Let me just take this. <laughs> All right. So, okay, stay there. Jacob's story. The story of Jacob is a story of a man on the run, a man fleeing, a man who, in not just his life, but in the very message of the Torah, the way the Torah tells the story of Jacob, the story of of concentrated time, time that itself folds on itself. Jacob is the one patriarch to whom more of Torah, percentage-wise, the book of Genesis is devoted to than any other of the patriarchs, but it happens in one parsha. 20 years of his life happened in one parsha. There's no other patriarch to whom that happens. In Jacob's story, all of his first, right, the 20 years all happened last week. And now this week, we fast forward another huge chunk of his life. So this week will have us with Jacob 20 years on, married to, to two women. He has two other 
quote unquote wives or concubines. He has a full retinue. He has 11 children on the way back now. He's made it 20 years of having run away from his brother, being deceived. He's a self-made man. His father-in-law tried to deceive him, and then he deceived him back. He's kind of, he was kind of done. He's on his way, and he hears from God, and last week's partially says, it's time to come home, Jacob. It's time to come home. So he gets up and he leaves. And here at this moment, in this morning's reading, he realizes somehow that he has to have something to do with his brother. Like, we're not really sure why he does this, but he sends messengers or angels, the same word used back in the beginning of Jacob's life when he's leaving his brother and sees Malachim going up and down on a some kind of strange stairway in a vision. The same used word, the same word is used. Now he sends angels, messengers to his brother preemptively. We don't know why. Maybe he wants to make amends. Maybe he wants to make things straight. Or maybe also he's terrified that his brother's going to take him out. We don't know. But he begins to prepare. We'll get back to that in his preparations. But sure enough, he makes all kinds of preparations, and then there's the moment where he's left alone. So Jacob is left alone, and he wrestles with an Ish, some mysterious man, and someone, we're not told whom, sees that he can't overcome someone. Pronouns are very odd here. And he saw that he could not overcome him, we're not sure. But he, someone, then dislocates or touches Jacob in Kathiricho in the hip socket, Batikat, and Jacob is dislocated, he's wrenched out of out of position, and then he's wounded. And then he's asked him, um, what is your name? And Jacob says, I'm Jacob. And immediately the angel, or whomever this is, the being says to Jacob, As soon as Jacob names himself as Jacob, as we've discussed many times before here in the shul, as soon as he names himself as his real name, because the last time he was asked his name, what, was he, what did he say? Because who asked him last what his name was? No? His father, Isaac. Right? His father, the last time someone asked him, right? So the last time somebody asked him what his name was, he said, Esau. So that's right. So he answered affirmatively that he was something other than who he was. And now at this moment where he says who he is, he gets a new name. And then he mysteriously then asks the angel for his name. So what's this whole naming business? It's like, first he asks him for his name. Why did he ask him for his name? Tell me your name. Then he says back to the angel being, whatever it is, tell me your name. And then the angel, we're told, or the mysterious being says, why do you want to know my name? And he doesn't tell him. And then Jacob names the place face to face. Peniel, I see, I saw the face of God. He calls Peniel the face of God because I saw the face of God face to face. And then the Torah ends this weird story with a historical gloss. Al King, and therefore we. B'nai Israel, we children of Israel, we just got the name a couple of verses before, but now we're called B'nai Israel for the first time, the children of Israel. We are ones who don't eat from the sciatic nerve of the Gid and Asher until this day, the Torah says, because of this wrestling match where Jacob was touched in that place. 
as an homage. We won't eat the sciatic nerve because every time we in the 21st century eat the sciatic nerve, we're forgetting the, the, the historical wrestling match, the dance between that being and Jacob. And the story ends, curtain down. The rest of this morning's reading will also condense time. Jacob will again be on the road and on the, on the move. Many more tragedies will befall him. Even though he has the name Israel, he will lose his mother. He will lose, that's the Midrash. In the Torah, he'll lose Devorah, the main naked. Devorah was the, the wet nurse of his mother, Rebecca. And also, Rachel will die during childbirth in this week's Parsha. And finally, Isaac will also pass away. And the Torah will tell us that Esau and Jacob will come together to bury Yaakov. I'm sorry, to bury Isaac. So I won't mention Rebecca, that's how we know that Rebecca might have passed away, because it would be strange for Jacob to finally arrive back home and not see his mother, and so the Midrash says she must have passed away, and, they, and when the Torah told us that he was at a, an oak tree of weeping, it was for not only the wet nurse of Rebecca, but for Rebecca herself. A lot happens in another Parsha. Clearly, the centerpiece of this Parsha is the wrestling match. And before the wrestling match, of course, Jacob's desire to, to send angels or send messages to his brother. So let's go deeply into that place and then open up on the first couple of verses. What's happening in this wrestling match? Torah begins, Vayivatir Yaakov Vado, verse 25, chapter 32. Vayivatir Yaakov Vado. And Jacob was left alone. Jacob's aloneness was what allowed for this confrontation to take place. Why was Jacob alone at this moment? Anybody know? Why did Torah tell us that he was alone? What's taking place? Abby, go ahead. So according to the Midrash, Abby's quoting, Jacob, if you look at the verses right before the wrestling match, Jacob has just taken Vayachas, Jacob has now split the camp. He's taken his two wives and the two concubines and the 11 children. He's placed them on the other side of Yavok. Navar Yavok. Right? The, the ford or the, the, the point of transition or the, the crossing area of Yavok. Which is, of course, the letters. Jacob are in there too. Yavok, Yaakov. So he, he kind of ma'avar. He trans... He takes them over. And he should be on the other side with them. And then he's alone. So, of course, the Midrash says, well, what happened? He went back to get some pachitanim, some little vessels, some little, you know, valuables that he left behind. Hanukkah oil. right? We talked about that this morning. Hanukkah oil. So Jacob went back. Great. He's alone. Is it good to be alone in the Torah? It's not good to be alone in the Torah. Right, the word levad, which means to be alone, appears once before this moment. Right, and it's in the context of the Genesis story, humans are not meant to be levad alone. So Jacob already signals, it's a signal to us already, that something is, something is happening here. He's alone. And in his aloneness, though, of course, he then wrestles. How can you wrestle when you're alone? Torah goes out of its way to let us know that no one is there. It means no one but this person who just appeared. So he wasn't really alone. 
Yeah? You following all this? He's alone except for the Ish who just shows up. That's interesting. Okay. Maybe, as my mommy says, this is all happening in a dream. It's all a meditative stand. That's like a, he's having this internally. Ramon said, it's all happening on the inside, which would also be beautiful, right? Because if you're all by yourself and you're scared that your brother is about to come, what would you dream of? You'll dream of, of a wrestling match with your brother because that's your whole life. His whole life now is going to be. He's been wrestling since he was born. He was named by a relationship to another. He's a twin. He's split from the beginning. He only knows who he is in relation to his brother. And so his brother now will be the one that occupies his mind. And so this makes sense in the context of the rabbi saying that the wrestling match with this Ish is not an actual person, but Jacob's own internal wrestling with the image of his brother. And here Jacob will have to come to terms with a life where he was not who he was meant to be. Because he always compared himself, or he always was seen in the light of his brother. He was always his brother's younger brother. He was always the one who was the heel grabber. He was always the one who could only receive a blessing from his father if he could say the name Asa and give himself that name. He self-named himself as other. The only time in Torah when he was asked to name himself was he named himself as someone else. When someone said, who, what's your name? He said, oh, I'm Esau. And here he gets to name himself and say, no, I'm Jacob. So clearly transformation is happening here for Jacob. He is becoming, right, he's integrating shadow to use Jungian terminology. He's beginning to look at the place in him that is, that he's built a life on that really isn't stable. His only stability will come when he allows himself to be unstable. He'll begin to dance when he begins to limp. Because right now, he's in a lie. He can't be the person of truth that he's intended to be because he's not living in integrity. And so he won't really become who he is until he becomes what he is, and not something else. I remember in my 20s when I was, um, when I was Jacob, that um, I remember reading somewhere, remember, it doesn't matter, um, or not, I remember. And someone said the Zen paradox of change is nothing becomes what it is until it becomes, nothing becomes what it could be until it becomes what it is. Nothing will change until it becomes what it is first. As long as it isn't what it is, it can't change into what it could be. And so Jacob now, it's like, it's like the chips are down. Everything has come back to him. This is the meaning, I think, behind the rabbi saying that he went back to get those little jars of oil. Like, great, so he went back to get jars of oil. The meaning he had something that he had left behind that he had to bring forward. He couldn't go forward until he went back. Jacob was always thinking about going forward. So I think, in, more broadly, I'm going to open this up and for all of you, but... This is the meaning of the verses that we're about to read. The beginning of this week's parsha, page 198, verse 4. And Jacob sent these angels, these messengers. El Esav Achiv. Arta Seir Sedeidon. 
Vaitzav otam lemor, kotomun ladoni leisav, koamar abdechai akov. He commanded them, saying, This is what you should say to my master Esau. Say this, koamar, thus says abdechai akov, your servant Jacob, in Lavan Garti, I have lived with Lavan, with Laban, our uncle, now my father in law. Vaichar ad Atam. And I was late until now. That's a great phrase. Vaichar ad Atta. And I was tarrying. I was behind. For those of you who are studying, this is worthy of its own PhD, like we should study this. The word achare or achar appears all the time in Jacob's narrative. He is always late. He's always behind. He's always promising to catch up. And of course, it shouldn't be lost on us as close readers of the text that the word acher or achare, which means behind or tarrying, also means stranger, estrangement. That which is not me. Achare means behind me or behind. Mifanai means in my face, means in front of me. And the things behind me are also not only the things that I'm late, that I am behind, but I have left things behind. Maybe Jacob was saying, I have been left behind. Va'echar, I have been left behind until now. Va'echar, I have been othered. I have been estranged. I myself have felt split, like the camps that I split. I myself have lived a life of shadow. I myself I'm coming to see how dislocated I was, even as I located. I got bored. I got on board with the Maslul. I was like moving ahead. In 20 years, I amassed a fortune and four wives and 11 kids, and I'm coming back. And look how much I have, Esau. But what I left behind was me. Like the project went forward, but, I, but I, I'm developmentally arrested. I'm Jacob, but... We all know that I stopped really being Jacob when I decided to be you, Esau. And now I've been on the run. And so Jacob sends to Esau in this reading a yearning, a yearning to become whole, a yearning to be complete, a yearning to integrate, a yearning to be from this moment forward in integrity, a yearning to be me in integrity. So I'm going to call up in a moment something around that, but I first will open it up to all of you. That's where I was in the Torah this morning. Where were you? Anybody? Yeah. Just say your name. If you wouldn't mind standing so we can all hear you and see you. So my name is Ruth from Maryland. Um, so Jacob's becoming authentic with self. And then his name changes to Israel, which can also be part of his Yashar El. Yashar El. Yashar El. Having a more direct yeah. line connection yeah. to Hashem. And so that the psychological coming into authenticity yeah. is an important component of having that relationship with so as long as he's Yaakov, which also means to be crooked, right? He's a heel and also crooked. He's not, not straight. And no, no 
sexual, you know, straight here, meaning like he's not in alignment. Yeah. He's straight with God. And it's not easy, right? It's not easy. He's also prepared to fight. He's also prepared to fight. He's also prepared to appease. He's also prepared to pray, which are really three important moments here in the story. Like he recognizes that it takes a willingness to give something to be an in integrity. It also takes a willingness to pray for it, to be in spiritual practice, and to be willing to fight for it. Like to fight for your integrity, to fight and wrestle to become one who integrates shadow. Anybody else want to speak about this morning's guy? Ronnie. I'll just how are you? That's Ronnie. So he's essentially fighting to get a blessing that he deserves as opposed to having cheated to get the blessing from his father earlier. And the blessing that he gets this time, which he asks for after having fought for it, gives him the opportunity to really approach the divine. So, so I love this. So you can hold it, whoever, anybody else want to speak? I love what you're saying, Ronnie, because um, You know, this, this past weekend, this past week rather, has been a week, uh, many of us know this community and beyond it where there's been tremendous loss. And one of the, the more powerful moments for me over the last week um, was thinking about some of the people whose lives um, touched ours and, and touched me personally. And one of the salient features that, that comes through so clearly was people who were able to be in a place of love and ask for it and express it without being embarrassed. People who danced publicly, unabashedly, for joy, unselfconsciously, people who walked right in integrity of who they were and didn't split themselves off from something lest somebody think something of them. A certain courage and power of tenderness and kindness which is in such short supply so frequently. People whose joy didn't need an excuse, didn't need to be couched in an apology for being alive. People who could just say, you know, being alive is its own justification. I'm so happy to be alive. And here we have Jacob in Ronnie's reading, so beautifully, Jacob who feels like in order to receive the blessing of aliveness, the blessing of being, he has to wear someone else's clothing has to be so self-consciously aware of what others call him. Even right when he's asked what his name is, finally he says, yes, I'm Jacob. And then the angel says, okay, Jacob, well done. Well done. Henceforward, you will become straight, Yashar El. You will be a prince because you finally stopped running for a minute and just rested in what is your birthright. Very powerful moment um, to imagine the fearful Jacob, the Jacob who is right still afraid, and then finally when he meets his brother, he can kiss him. They can kiss together on in a moment of connection. Of course, Jacob then falls back, right? That's true too. We all do, but it's a very powerful moment. Anyone else before we call up? Uh, I'm Jason uh, from the neighborhood. 
Um, one of the things that, that struck me about this reading is that when um, the messengers returned to Jacob, it just says, we came to meet your brother Esau himself to come to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. It doesn't say there are 400 men and they're out to get you, it just says there are 400 men with him. And Yaakov just assumes that uh, Esau is coming to, to wage war and to have this epic battle. And then only when Yaakov has this epic battle with himself and he wrestles with his inner demons that he's able to meet uh, Esau with open arms. And so for me, it's if we see problems in our lives um, that we think are, are problems, we might just change our perspective slightly and then see actually their opportunities or that uh, we should welcome them with, with open arms. Beautiful. Beautiful. Of course, it's like to check in with ourselves frequently to see if we're telling a story or if we're actually using something from the past and the present moment and we're not actually seeing the present moment. You know, we walk out in the streets and we make assumptions about other people and other people's stories. And, you know, all you hear is 400 men, just 400 men. Maybe they're coming to, to celebrate. They brought some schnapps. <laughs> you know, it's like a big, it's like a, a celebration ambush. Who knows? I'm going to call up this morning for the reading of the first three of Um Sukim. From chapter 32. I have been late until now. The sense that I have been estranged until now and that there is a desire to come out of a sense of estrangement, whatever that might be, a place of that I have left behind that I have to bring forward. I get it. I really get it. And the energy of these verses are the energy, really the energy of doing something about it, making an overture, passing over in some way into the process of integrating something that you might have left behind. So if that is you this morning, if you are in that place and want to receive the blessing, saying to the Torah, don't leave this morning without giving me that blessing, I want to invite you to come forward this morning to open and to come up for the first Aliyah this morning.